I am super excited. Listen, we're going to start. We're going to get two minutes because people are still rolling in. But I just, I'm just going to do a little, uh, a little warming up the crowd here for a second. Just let you know my personal thing. So first of all, like this, I, I love literature. I love books. As many of you know, I've written books. Um, but I, I've never been part of a book club. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know that I've ever been part of any club. I mean, I don't know. I mean, other than it's very exclusive. <laughs> other than Judaism, I don't know that I've been part of a club. So I am super excited. And honestly, it was easier to get in than I thought into this book club. I, I just I we I spoke with Ariella and that was it. We created it. Done. No, but on, on a serious note, it is super exciting for me personally to be part of this club. Um, I know we have very passionate um uh, participants people that are passionate about literature and reading and jewish literature and it's a unique club because the the focus is about on literature that is either a jewish author or related to jewish themes some sort of jewish connection and it's uh I think it's amazing. I am very grateful that you're all here. Let me quickly welcome those that I didn't welcome before. Fran and Nate, good to see you guys. Oh, and Drawer, I see you. All right, awesome, welcome, welcome. Um, who else? Eve, welcome, it's great to see you. Hey, Charna, welcome, it's great to have you here. Anastasia, it's great to see you, welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see, who else did we not welcome? Maybe we welcomed everybody, okay. All right, so I am going to introduce our leader, our book club guru, a Jewish book club guru, um, Ariella Rich, is a passionate um, fan of literature and Jewish literature. She is involved in, has been involved in book clubs and is a tremendous resource, tremendous um, expert in analyzing and leading discussions on books. I am very grateful that Ariella agreed to be here with us for our book club to, to lead the conversation. Um, this is our first session, and uh, I, I'm, I'm super excited to get started. So without further ado, I'd like to turn the floor over to Ariella. So l'chaim, everybody. Ariella, take it away. Hi, everybody. I mean, um, we're definitely going to get to know each other more. Unfortunately, it's virtual, but... Um, the idea of a book club is, is really, uh, I'm going to bring up topics. You can bring topics and it's going to be a discussion, sometimes heated discussion. Um, just fun, just to have fun and learn. Um, we all bring different experiences to the table and it's great to hear from your experiences. Um, we also all bring different um, strengths and ways to see it. In my case, um, English is my third language, so... Definitely, there's going to be um, some of you that are experts, um, English language, um, just professionals understand some, sometimes maybe a word better than me, and, and you're going to bring that, and I'm going to bring something, and your experience, and, and just that's the idea to share. Um, I just want to start by, uh, every time a topic comes back, uh, comes up, hopefully anyone to feel like sharing um, a minute, a minute and a half, whatever, um, you can feel free to do it. It's nothing is mandatory. No one needs to talk, but hopefully we're all going to talk. And I would like to start um, straight with the book. Um, we have Eternal Life by Dara Horn. Um, it's, it's a book that I enjoyed in the past uh, a lot, and I reread it for this occasion, and I enjoyed it again. So um, it was a win-win for me. And I just would like to start with just hearing your 
um, just so your opinion, what you thought about the book, whether you like it or not, and just like an initial thought of it can be 10 seconds, yes or not, whatever. All welcome, all comments welcome. So each of us needs to unmute in order to speak, is that right? That's correct, yes. Because yes. I noticed everybody is muted at the moment. Right, and that's usually easy, but when we're having a conversation, yeah, definitely people can unmute and yeah. Um, I don't know how, it, I, we all see each other in different orders. I learned that about Zoom. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> we don't want to call people. So just find your space, um, feel we're in a couch all sitting together. It's okay to interrupt and yeah, no problem. Well, I'll, I'll start um, if that's okay. Um, I, my first reaction to the book was that it's a totally new genre of literature for me. It's Jewish fantasy. And I don't think I've ever read that before. Absolutely. And I wonder if it's a genre. I don't know how many books are in that category, but it's, it's a great, yep, absolutely. Well, I've read a couple other of her books and this one follows the same pattern. So I think it's her own, her own genre. And she's, it seems to be her formula for, for how she writes, which, uh, which I love, was just great. Awesome. Well, this was my first time reading her and I absolutely adore this book. Awesome. I feel like if I was an author, I could have written it, but I'm not an author. So I appreciate her <laughs> talents and efforts, but this resonates way back to my childhood and the kinds of things I would think about Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've just begun on my Kindle, so I'm not very far in, but I want to say I love, I don't want to be a spoiler, but I love the premise of this Rachel, okay, because I used to watch this TV show called Forever about this guy. Did anyone know that show Forever? No. The guy, he never dies. <laughs> and that show was so cool and I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. So, so I can tell that I'm going to really like this book already. There might be some spoiler alerts though. I'm, I'm sorry to. Okay. <laughs> um, it's still worth reading. Don't worry. <laughs> I think Someone it's the... make a comment. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Okay. So I've read other time travel kinds of books like the time traveler's wife and things where you play with different ages like Benjamin Button but this was the first time I did it in a Jewish theme and I really enjoyed it and I just wanted to okay Nate calm down <laughs> I just want to say that because of the presentation we had about the second temple um you know uh those people who were in that class it really enriched my understanding of this book and it brought it alive I enjoyed it very much awesome yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. I don't read a lot. And so I I really liked getting into this book. Awesome. Um, I think it's great for a book club because it's not so clear cut. Right. Yeah, you can go in different directions to, to speak or interpret things. So it's perfect for a book club. Great choice. Thank you. I have to admit that I haven't received my copy yet. Amazon has been slow. <clears throat> they sent me my saffron, but they didn't send me the book. 
but I did before um, this class take a look at what some of the comments were uh, from other people. And uh, it seems to be a fascinating subject. The history ought to be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I would imagine it'll get here Monday. <laughs> awesome. Tomorrow. That's great. Awesome. So, um, okay, so let's, let's start in the, with the book. And as I said, I'm gonna bring um, some topics that I, I hope there were also the topics that resonated with you, but um, if there's something else, and I'm sure you'll, with all your perspective, we're gonna just have a good conversation. But the first topic I wanna bring is um, the topic of faith. I think um, Rachel, there was an evolution of God through her life, an evolution of faith. Um, I'm going to read one specific paragraph that I think resonates a lot with me. Um, I want to hear what you think and how you thought faith played a role in her life. Um, so again, remember, English is my third language, but I hope it's clear what I'm going to read. Um, this is page 173 of this version. Um, Did you say 173? Right, 173. Okay says something like this. It says, every intelligent person alive today wants to accomplish something grand, invent something, create something, dramatically change the world, he said. Some of the smarter ones actually do it. You and I weren't born thinking we could do that. We were born thinking it was our job to serve God. That's what he says. And um, I just want to just hear from you. What do you, what do you think God or faith or however you want to bring this topic of, of something greater of, from Rachel played in her life and her experience through 2000 years of, of life? <laughs> I'm happy to start. <laughs> I'm, I'm rereading it. <laughs> All right. And it, it's, it's just, a, um, I brought that paragraph up as, as just an example, but I think in the book, um, her, her own existence was related to a fantastic or not human possible experience. So, um, but it, did you expect it to be her relationship with God or the way it was with the temple was there where, where rituals were so centered to Jewish life to what she evolved to be in today's life and age. And today's, she lives in New York. She has a regular um, New Yorker Jewish life. Is that what you would have expected from her or, or was it surprising? I don't know that she ever actually thought she was being a servant to God. I think she just, she was on this gerbil wheel, you know, this repetitive motion. saw her um, 
humanity other than raising her families. But Adrian, you're cutting out a little bit. These contributions to humanity were. Adrian, you're cutting out. I think it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's, is it, did it cut out for everybody? Adrian's comments? Yeah. yeah, we heard like every like few seconds we got something, but we didn't get the whole thing. Which is one of the problems with Zoom, unfortunately. That's yeah, one of the challenges. Yeah. Anyone else wants any comments on how faith play a role in her life or any thoughts on that? She says well, something else in the book that struck home with me than the issue of faith. Um, because she talks about how the paragraph you read talked about how we hope to accomplish something big and important and grand in our lives. Um, but in another part of the book, she talks about how the meaning is in the details. Um, and that really struck home to me because I think I struggle a lot with looking back at kind of what I've made of my life and what I've accomplished and thinking I kind of missed the boat. But especially with COVID, I'm realizing that it's about the details. Like, for example, last weekend, I had really two nice evenings with friends, just you know, I, I'm not seeing a lot of people with COVID. These are people that um, I've seen throughout. And, um, you know, we had dinner, we watched a movie and just had a really nice evening together. And I think part of me would have discounted that in the past as not important. But I think I'm learning that it's those small things, those everyday things that um, are important to our lives and give meaning to our lives. Right, absolutely. I mean, it took her a few lives to to learn that, right? But right, yep, definitely. Rabbi Ari, anything about the the faith that struck to you as a rabbi? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it's like she's she's born into this life of devout. I mean, I guess everybody was on board with the temple, and that was that was the way of of life. And then I guess over a few thousand years, I guess there's an evolution where there's no temple. And she, I think her journey in a sense, at least to me, kind of parallels the Jewish journey where there's an evolution from a temple-based religion, right? Judaism is focused around Jerusalem and around the temple. So if you want to do something Jewish, you want to like, you know, speak to connect with God, you go and you bring an offering, whatever that offering is, but that's where you're going. And, and after the temple is destroyed, which is, I think, brought up in a very um, interesting way in the, in the book, which is another topic. Um, uh, I'm reading it. I'm like, I didn't know Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai's father wasn't. Anyway, but I don't want to give too much. I'm kidding. I'm, obviously, it's the, it's the historical fiction. But, but the point is that, um, uh, you know, there's a pivot that happens with Judaism away from the temple into Torah and into, you know, what we would call, you know, I don't know what we would call it, a Torah-based system. It's, it's always Torah-based, but it's, you know, half Torah will travel as opposed to a temple-based a temple -based system. And, and she's also evolving. And I wonder, I, I, I mean, this is, again, I don't know if I should, you know, advance it, you know, 
further, but just a thought that comes to mind is, I wonder how hard it is, you know, given the book and the characters and, and the story, how hard is it for someone to have lived in that era to kind of see Judaism evolve and to look at the new Judaism, if you will, or the new form of Judaism and not judge it based on what she knew before. You know what I mean? Like we were born into a post-temple society. So we know Judaism to be this, right? Whatever this is, but someone who's lived through it all, what does that, what does that mean for her? I don't know if I'm answering anything or mention or asking. I'm not sure. I'm just talking, but that's perfect. That's the thought yeah. that came to mind. Sherry. Well, I, I, think I, and she, she evolved with Judaism, you know, in, in, in the beginning of her story, in the temple, the world was the land of Israel, land of Judah. It wasn't even the entire land of Israel. It was Judah and, and Benjamin. And over the course of her 2,000 years, her world expanded, her outlook expanded, and she grew to see the world differently. You know, and I, I suspect it changed her relationship with God also, because at some point in time, she decided, I got to get out of this. Right. And I it was really interesting that the author made her the mother of Yochanan ben Zakkai, of course, was the person who, like, the whole, the whole, who kind of was the force behind the change from the temple worship to rabbinic Judaism and study of Torah. And I thought it was like when she screams at him in that scene toward the end, and uh, again, Ariella, other Ariella, sorry for spoiling the, you know, the narrative, but like when she's like, I rated him, like, what were you thinking? You should have asked for the temple. To me, that's like, it kind of that betrays to me kind of where she is at heart. And she's along for the ride because she has no other option. But like what she feels as authentic Judaism is, is what it was. And maybe it's a metaphor for like, you know, kind of holding on to the past and being in a different era. Right, exactly. And, and also it, 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 you can go in more into details about it, the power of the rituals at that time. The way to connect with God was through a physical space in specific actions. The, it was so present that the effort was, was just that. And along the ride, it feels like you need to make that effort. Like it's not that we're in Jerusalem anymore. Like she's, she's like, why my kids want something different? Well, we, we weren't there. We don't, we never saw that. We don't know that. So um, the way she was every generation, she was relating to every new generation as like more further and further away from this um, reality shows that um, we evolve. Yeah. And, and, and in, in a, probably in a beautiful way. I'm, she had a lot of regret and she was very stuck on the past because let's say her, her experience was pretty unique, but um, yeah, that's, that's true. So and since you wanna say, oh, sorry. Yeah, Sandrine, uh, she doesn't talk much actually in the, you know, in the latest days about the ritual, uh, some, uh, reference to Shabbat, I think Bar Mitzvah too, but it doesn't seem to be too much part of her life. I mean, she seems to be like a, 
American, Jewish, like very what we're most used to, I would think. And I, I just like she wouldn't the experience of the temple made have her be different than the common American Jewish person or not? I don't know. Well, sure. I mean, come on, you know, if that's if that was your orientation. See, I, I thought she was a person of great faith because in the beginning she she wanted to save Yohanan. And so she went to the temple, she went to the Kohen Gadol, she, you know, because she knew that would he was the guy who could help her. So she had to have tremendous faith in order to do that, because who would do that if you didn't really believe in what you were doing? And in the end of the book, I don't want to spoil, but, you know, at the end of the book, the child and the name of the child to me signifies that she was, she was beginning again. She was beginning again. And it, to me, just demonstrated great faith in the idea that she was just going to go on. She wanted to, you know, end it, but that she sort of redeemed herself, I think. Right. And I, I think that um, Elazar totally lost, you know, gone, just gone. Interesting. Any, any other thoughts about um, Faith through her 2000 year long yeah. journey? So Susan, about Elazar, I don't think he was nearly as spiritual as she was. No, I don't he was just, that. yeah, he just lived in the moment from decade to century to century. And, right. Um, but right. one of the things that um, I had actually um, highlighted in my book was when her little seven-year-old son in the very beginning, her first iteration of family, um, was beginning to show his, his uh, sage-like qualities when he, they were talking about uh, a story and he said, it's because God has to tell everything to people in people's words, but people aren't as smart as God. So everything is like a stupid version of the real story. Well, she was blown away by what her little seven-year-old son had said. And um, she, and quoting, this is page 137. Um, she looked at her little boy with sudden and frightening understanding. Her entire life, every person's entire life was a stupid version of the real story. A tiny glimpse of a tiny sliver of the briefest of moments, a few days out of eternity, so it's, it's kind of like maybe she just carried that with her to cope with the remainder of her eternal existence. I don't know. It kind of, that, that little passage kind of stuck with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else had uh, recalled that from the book. Well, um, a long time ago, my Rebbitzin, a very famous Rebbitzin, Feige Tversky, Rebbitzin said that all life is when, you know, you're talking about a sliver, that all life is like a sliver, that all we see, it's like looking through a keyhole. So we look, all we can see is that little bit that's illuminated when we look through the keyhole. We can't see the totality of what's going on and everything that God is doing in the whole world. So for her to just 
that's, you know, to say that's her little sliver of life, that's all she could see, because that's all that, that we're privileged to see, even though she kept living, but that, that's all, that's all we get. That's all we get. It's just a little sliver, just a little, the little peek through the keyhole. But she has a better perspective because yeah. she had only 2000 years, but in our, yes. Yeah. And we're all like, I mean, that it brings you to the, this question is like, is she what you would expect to someone that has lived 2000 years? I mean, we're probably all these little immature people around her, you know, and she has that zoom out perspective of, of real or of real life. Definitely. And I know we, we brought up Eleazar already, but um, their relationship, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, the first time, I mean, the, the book start and eventually they meet and, and we realize that this guy is important and he's going to become um, the guy. But uh, the first time she speaks about him, it's, it's like trying to tell us the audience a story is when she goes to the psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, and this is pretty in the beginning of the book. And she's like, he's an awful person. He's just this awful, awful, awful person, but I cannot stop loving him. And did you, did, did you get that feeling too, that he's an awful person? And what, what do you think about the relationship through, through these 2000 years? How, how um, do you get some sympathy for, for his actions in his life? Or you agree with these, like she's stuck with him, loving him, but he's an awful human. I don't, I don't know that he was really awful so much as he was just very cynical. He just seemed to me to be very cynical, very um, kind of earthy in a way. And I, I think they were so connected. I mean, clearly they had passion for each other right. at the beginning, but I think they were so connected or she was so connected to him because they were the only people in the universe that shared that experience. And so no matter what iteration she went through in her life. So is, is that only, what connected? That's what I think. It, it may not be what started it, but I think it's what kept them connected. And, and to me, it seemed that he was very cynical about the power of the religion itself, particularly the power of the ritual. In some ways, I felt that she was a lot more spiritual than he was. I felt the same way. I mean, like even from the beginning, he's basically stalking her. Did you like, is that, was, mm -hmm. that's the sense that I got. He's like, oh, I've been watching you on the temple steps. And now I'm going to like hold on to your scroll while you're holding on to it and give you like a fake scroll so that, and then yeah. me in the tunnels. It's like, it's like the whole setup. But, and, and then that, there was one scene, I think it was in the beginning when he, when he encounters her and she's like, oh, he found me. So it's like, there's this like like kind of love hate relationship, but he's definitely an interesting. He's very a very complex character, I think. Yeah. Right. I, I think he, there was he was very one dimensional. He loved her, he wanted her, and that was all he cared about for two thousand years. Nothing else was important to him. She, her family, talk about her children. I mean, you know, you don't get that sense from him. He said there was one part of the book. He said, sure, you know, yes. He said all my wives loved me. He never said I loved them. And I, I think that he was just, it, it, you know, extremely straightforward from the get go. He wanted her period, the end. 
everybody else, you know, be damned. And I think that's why, because he caused Zakai to meet with an unfortunate end, which don't you love how she weaves history into the story? Um, and I think that's why she said he was a terrible person and right. that she never got, she just never could get over that, but she also could never stop loving him. So it, it was, it was just awful for her, just, you know, tearing her apart. That's why I think that at the end of the book, I think to me, she was just completely reconciled to this is, you know, she, she got married and, and knew, you know, begin again, she began again in happiness. So and I think he, you know, and she said that he, she read that he was, you know, on his way to Mars doing something. So she, she, she would always be aware of him, but that that she ended up to be content and he didn't do you get a feeling or anyone that that was it that she was beyond him or in 2435 they would re-meet again like is it really just another breakup from a teenager relationship or this is it and she's over the relationship oh i don't think so I, no i don't think she's over ever Right. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Jerry, what were you saying? I, she's never over. They're tied through for 2,000 years of history. She has no way to escape. She tried to, she tried to die. Um, yeah, I, I personally agree with that. I, I mean, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, literally, <laughs> I mean, based on the book, they're not going anywhere. Uh, so. What I, what I found interesting about Elazar versus Rachel he seemed to have a pretty good grasp of the ramifications of what if people really understood that they were 2000 years old and he kept trying to prevent her from figuring out how to die at the hands of her granddaughter's scientific knowledge. Um, and he kept begging her to keep on moving, even though he tried to tell people they always laughed at him. And um, he, he understood that it could be problematic in humanity. So I, I don't know, I, I just, maybe he's just going for the ride for the forever. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, something, I mean, you touched on these um, Rabbi Ari, but he definitely had some sort of like, I'm the one that can save you. Here's your passport here is your documents. This is what the world is right now. You're living in the temple. I'm the one I'm going to tell you how to live in this year in this time. And you need to follow me. You need to follow my, my lead. And I mean, definitely were some technology <laughs> difficulties to live in today, but she pretty much, she was pretty okay without him. She didn't really need him as much as he probably thought um, he was needed. He was very domineering, you know, he's extremely domineering. Uh, and, you know, he, he wanted to be in, in controlling and she didn't want that. I think, I mean, I think that, you know, in terms of character, she really grew from the beginning of the book where she was, you know, a, a kid scared and, you know, and I, I think that from all the iterations that she went through, he, he may have grown more knowledgeable, you know, as the, as, knowledge was revealed in the world but 
I don't think he ever changed. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think he's, you know, cynical and condescending um, and nothing, whatever means he would have to use to have her, that was it. That was it. But she is right. She's, she can't, she doesn't live with him, but she can't live without him. He's always a part of her. Right. Yes. I, I definitely got the feeling that this is not it for them. They, they are stuck. And not only because they're leaving and, and it really shows a lot about, and, and I think that's the main topic that I'm avoiding, but we're going to get there, which is the eternal life and living forever. But in just trying to talk that element in relations to relationships, how much we invest in our relationships because we know we have a limited time, whether it's a family member, a spouse, a friend, but um, I think a little bit what we were talking um, during the pandemic is the small things, but it's it's really because we know, um, I don't know, maybe what, if we would have all the time, then the, the investment on, on one person wouldn't be that important. You can always get together again. You know, they had that thing that like, they lived together for 200, 300 years in between. Um, but if, you know what, let's move on and then we can always reconnect later. Yeah. What you're, so what you're basically saying is like, when it comes to monogamy, is one of the fuels of monogamy knowing that you only have a limited amount of time, but if you had forever, so, all right, well, you know, right. we'll right. get back right. together again. It's not like, no one's going anywhere. We're going to have a whole discussion on monogamy and how natural or non-natural it is, in my opinion, but I definitely think this is a level of, um, it's, it's the fact that it's, finite and we don't know and and i don't know i don't know what it's her it almost feel that he was ready to be with her but even if they would have been together for the next 200 years i wouldn't have been surprised if the opposite happens again that hey let's i mean we know they had a curse they weren't able to have kids together they all had they were able to have kids with different people and, and it felt that like, yeah, after 200 years without having kids, without building a family, they were ready to move on. And then everything else was temporal and, and short and too normal. And then he was there for her or, and the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, Rabbi, I have a question for you. Um, often people question why? I know when I was uh, in my early preteens, I had a big question mark poster on my wall with the word why under it. Why are we here? Why is there life? You know, why do we go through all the motions and then die? And I think that she toyed with that concept continuously as she kept having children and families and putting them in the ground. And then the next round came. And it, it, it just, to me, it got me thinking back to my adolescent days again and, you know, questioning, you know, why are we going through all these crazinesses in the world, the wars, the, the pandemics, the, the injustices, but yet when it's all said and done, our lives end and the rest of the people who are still around carry on. And it's just, I don't know, did you have these kinds of thoughts when you were reading the book? So 
I, I think it's a great question. And I think it touches on, to me, it touches on like the big idea um, of the book, which is, you know, the meaning of life when you're living forever. And does it, I, I, I thought, I, so when you were formulating your question, I actually thought you might've gone the other way. Like maybe this answered some of the questions. That's how, that's actually where I thought you were going. Like the question of, you know, you know, why are we here? And then, and then why do we die? That type of, that type of question. She presents it in the book as I think kind of a blessing, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get, I don't know if I want to get too ahead of, uh, I want Ariella to lead the, the conversation. I mean, maybe we're not ready for that, for that piece yet. That's like okay. the big idea. Yeah. The, the, I, I definitely think that's a big idea and um, let's introduce it. And then we can go back to faith and we can go back to relationships with the lens of the main like, existential question on, on the book, which is, First, what is the meaning of life? And what is the meaning of death? And what is the meaning of the life without death? And what's that role that, um, I think I have my um, interpretation, but I'm, I'm gonna read a little paragraph. We, it was mentioned already, the topic, but I'm, I'm gonna read it. It's page 169. And it's when Eleazar it was trying to convince um, Rachel not to, um, reveal this um, eternal life once again, because they've done it before, has been completely tragic. People kill themselves or just really bad ends. But not only that, in this iteration of life, it seems to be a, a really dangerous event. It wasn't like just like, hey, you're going to tell one person, you're going to tell Hannah. In this iteration, you can literally messed up society and the way he says it he says as long as they know for a fact that it's impossible that it doesn't exist they can dream about it until they die and it won't change how they live Eliezer's voice was trembling but if it does exist if we exist if they find out for a fact that it's possible for someone even if only for two of us, then suddenly no one's life will matter anymore. So in the context of eternal life, if this concept would have been publicized or proven truth, um, he thinks to the extreme that like life will no matter anymore. That's what he thinks for, for the rest of the society. And and, and I mean, this is the, the, the really so many questions about life and death and, and it really makes you see death with a different eye. It's almost like maybe it's that blessing that we see as the ultimate curse. And, and I don't know why um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so I believe in past lives, even though, you know, I don't have anything to substantiate it, but there's nothing I think to refute it either. So who's to say 
that, that we haven't been here, our souls haven't been here in prior generations. And so I, I have a friend I've discussed the soulmate concept with, and she, she completely believes in it. She's like, oh, well, when you feel that soul connection with some, you probably had a relationship in the, in the past life and you, you never know what it was. Was it brother, sister? Were you married? Were you, you know, but she, she's fully convinced. And I don't think it's an anti-Jewish idea at all to believe in past lives or, or reincarnation as far as I know. Um, and, and I just think it's a fascinating concept. And sometimes I look into stories of people's near-death experiences. And there is one woman who, who mentioned that, you know, while she was in that bridge between life and death, that she learned so many things about herself and she learned why she was here in this iteration and what kind of patterns had been following her, I, I think across lifetimes and why, why she was getting stuck in these ruts. So, so that also supported that concept that I think we, we might have these past existences. It's just that unlike Rachel, our memories are just kind of wiped. Like we don't have the privilege of, of realizing what those lives were, maybe. Hmm. Anyone else think about those things? I do. I do, I do think about those things. <laughs> I do. Definitely do. You're not alone. So, so Ariel, you're saying, Elazar is saying, if everybody could live forever, then no one would value life because you were always going to have it. And you, you wouldn't you wouldn't fulfill whatever your potential was because you'd have endless potential. So you'd have no, no impetus to do anything right. that, that if it was finite, you know, you, you knew and you don't know how much time you have um, that you, that you would try to. And, and the, the one that you started off, the passage you started off with is that everybody wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to, you know, be a somebody and do something in life. So he, because I think that's his MO is that he's very cynical. Everybody would, they, nothing would, you know, who would care? Nobody would do anything. Nobody would care about anything. But she chooses life. He just chooses, he's existing, but she chooses life in the end. Right. She, I mean, she wanted to die and then she sees the burning house and didn't you love it how she made the plot work that the little grandson was the amazing jumping man. Right. And then to that, I thought that was just so seamless, but she chooses life. She gave up on having her granddaughter figure out how to make her die. Right. And um, yeah, it goes even, it's even more extreme what, what, what Elizabeth is saying, even if they know it's possible, life would not have a meaning. So. Yes, if we would know for sure, he's, he thinks in his point of view, yeah, for sure life wouldn't have a meaning. But he thinks that even if we know two people in the whole entire world are capable of not dying, everybody's life will stop having a meaning. And I mean, again, this is his perspective, but um, Rachel, till the end, she's ready to prove it. It, it clearly, she's uh, in her last life, um, She's clearly over it, but in, in her New York life with um, Hannah, she's ready to prove it and, and say like, 
this is real. I don't care the impact it's going to have on all of you. But he sees it really dangerous. Um, we, we see a lot of regret. And, and Rachel is not in his, her current life very happy and cheerful. And, and it doesn't seem to be like this beautiful blessing that she has in eternal life. It feels more like a curse. And um, But what is it? I think for me, and, and I'm, I'm not those of buying the like, oh, this book changed my life forever. But um, if, if, if you would have asked me what it's the meaning of my life before I read the book and what it's my driver, what drives me, it would have been something that I could do in, God will in 120 years, or I could do in a thousand or 2000 years. It would be whatever it is, is something that could still be there present. But now I'm like, Maybe the driver in my life is death, is <laughs> the fact that it's unknown and we are all going to die or potentially can die because it's not about actually dying, it's the risk. It's the fact that we may not have one more day and that risk make us want to do something tomorrow. Otherwise, maybe we'll just like, I was even thinking that like, even if, if we would know we would die at a certain age, if we would know we would die at 120 years old, maybe we would be spending five years just watching TV because we know that's like guarantee, but it's uncertainty of life that it's a driver. And they didn't have that. They didn't have that driver in their life. So I don't know how, what, what do you think? Do you see death as something different now that you, or, or maybe it opened an idea that you didn't have before reading the book? So I, I, I don't want to I don't want to um, jump in too much, but I, I agree with what you said, um, and I think it's very very profound what you just said because when you think of motivation, it's not only that death is a motivator; it's the as you said, it's the uncertainty. It's not knowing when, because if you knew when, it would also be. I mean, we all know what happens when you have a deadline. You know exactly when something needs to get done. You push it off to the end, right? you have a school assignment back in the day. Yeah. All right. The last night you cram for the, whatever it is. I mean, not everybody, but many people. So I think, I think that's part of the human condition. So what's interesting. Um, I just, I, not to, not to get too much on my, listen, I'm as a rabbi, I sometimes, you know, get, get inspired into rabbi moments. So here's a very quick rabbi moment. And then I got back to the book thing. So in yesterday's Torah, Torah reading, we started reading the, the Torah portion of Voracious of Genesis and um, it says that when God created Adam, the human being, it says that he saw and it was tov ma'od, it was very good. So the commentary says, I think the Talmud of the Medrash says, tov is the, the, the angel of life and tov ma'od is the angel of death. And so there's something that's, tov means good is life and very good is death. So, how you explain that, there are many commentaries to explain that very enigmatic statement, but I was just thinking now along the lines of saying the, the death, the blessing within having that finite certainty, there's a blessing of, of, of you know, the engine keeping things moving. Maybe, I don't know, just a thought. How does the other thing is during the, during the Garden of Eden story, didn't the angels say, don't let them eat of the fruit of the tree of life, lest they live forever and become like us. 
Yeah, clearly eternal life is not always um, not always desired. Does anybody think that what we're going through right now with this pandemic possibly colored your view of what you're reading and what you're thinking? Um, I mean, I had I just put some gas in my car for the very first time since February, seriously. Um, and it didn't need it yet. <laughs> but my son said to put gas in, so I did. But, um, you know, our lives are so very different. And I'm sure that everybody has thought of things and their lives before and just we're all dealing with it in our own ways it's just I guess what I'm trying to say and I don't know about you but it's made me do an awful lot of thinking and uh, personally that's going to be the thing I'm going to really enjoy when this is over it's too much thinking <laughs> uh, it's difficult um, because then you realize you have more questions Somebody said, why, why, why? You have more questions than you started out with. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a bad time. That's about, it's a strange time. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. And it sounds like that this book is either reflecting what's going on or we as a group are reflecting what's going on since, you know, I have not had the privilege yet of reading the book, but listening to everyone, there isn't a thing that you're saying besides the direct references to the book that um, isn't a reference to what's going on, at least in my life and in the life of my family. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. So are you saying that um, you feel like the book has given you a perspective of comprehending our purpose being here alive and with an unknown ending to our life coming makes it more palatable? I don't know. Uh, since I didn't read the book, I'm just responding to what I'm hearing everyone else saying about the book, which they're really not talking about the book anyway. They're talking about how they <laughs> feel and how they mm -hmm. interpret things, which is the whole point of this. But um, I don't know. I, I'm So far, I've got more questions than answers. I don't know if anybody else has a few answers. And if they do, how wonderful one answer would be terrific. Um, but there's just been so many things that have popped up in this last six months. I reconnected with a friend in that now lives in Hawaii. And I mean, it's just been weird. Um, just so many things happening. Um, the problems with my immediate family haven't gone away, but they seem to be palatable. Um, I, I don't know, it's, like I said, there's just more questions than there have been answers. 
And I don't know whether that's also a function of age and it could well be. Maybe some of the younger people um, haven't felt that way, but um, I don't know, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting from the discussion. people wanted to talk when we were all trying to talk at the same time one of the things about zoom but anything else about the meaning of death in the book and yeah personal um are, um, are you gonna I, no go ahead whoever's talking should unmute um I think I'm unmuted. You're good, Andy. Um, what I wanted to bring up is that um, Ariella was talking about that her life, that Rachel's life didn't seem to particularly be a blessing, her last life. But going back to the reason she's alive for 2000 years, it was, I mean, I don't want to say it was meant to be a punishment, but it was a price that was ex extracted in exchange for the life of her son. She probably fully expected the priest to say, yes, we'll let your son live, but you have to give your life in its stead. But no, she didn't have to give her life. She had to give up her death. So, you, I mean, like, I don't know, I throw out the question, like, why is that? Why is that? I, and it's not punishment isn't the word I'm looking for, but it's kind of like along those lines, why would it be a punishment to give up death? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think it's with the opposite lens is to say, is, is really death the blessing, is the driver, is the motor. And I think in her particular case is, is the conscious piece also. It's not only living 2,000 years, it's having those experience with you and, and it, it gets heavy. And, and it's, it's the, the, the suffering and the, the good times as well. But I don't think it's all about just not finding meaning because as we discussed before in contrast with Eliezer's life, she did find meaning. She had kids and she, and she, she seemed to have lived different lives with purpose, but definitely with regret or some sort of heaviness around the future <laughs> and the past and this eternity surrounding her. But yeah, it's not dying was definitely a price she needed to pay. And even if at that time, probably maybe she didn't realize, but um, she seemed surprised the first time she woke up after her first death or whatever death. Um, but I, my silly person as I was like, would she do it again? If she would have known 2000 years later, <laughs> would she want to save the kid? Yes. Well, they, Elazar did, or somebody brought up at some point that that bargain had been offered to other people in the past, but nobody had ever accepted it before. Right. Right. Well, and she was told you'll have more children before she did it. Right. The, the, the priest was like, you can have more kids. Are you sure you want this? Right. I think that's an excellent question. What do you think that she would have done it that that knowing everything that she's known over the last 2000 years, would she have done it again? I think that's a great question. 
Let's vote. That's not reflecting the love you have with your kids. So <laughs> you know what? She had to because where would Judaism be today if Yochanan ben Zakkai had not lived? This is true, right? Yeah, but and she didn't know he was going to become Yochanan ben Zakkai. But but looking back, she might have said, "I would have to do it." Right? Yeah. right. Because at the end of the day, whatever you know, even if it's not her cup of tea anymore, but it did save Judaism. And it, and it brings up something about the potential of, of anyone. Like at the moment she was making a decision with a three-year-old or four-year-old that it's, it's, that's all about the potential in, in life, definitely. She probably would have not waited 2,000 years to try to get out of the, uh, um, get, to, get, to, to find her escape. Right. Ariella, why, why do you think that Hannah, the, the granddaughter, in the end, she abandons the research? Right. So tell me, what, what do you think that means? So I think that through the experience, she also saw the power of death. Mm -hmm. I think it, it, her last, in the last few pages, you can read her little research thesis or, or just research um, explanation. And, and it, we wanna get into new development and new um, research, but she thought that crossing that line would bring too much damage. And, and it's, it's, I mean, and at the end of the day, it doesn't match with what Eliezer was saying is, exactly. this, this is not a blessing. This, this is not, and, and they had this like Google chat in which person, people were like, do you want to live forever? You don't want to live forever. And people were like, yes, I'm all about living forever. But I think she was able to understand that, Hannah Dien and Rachel all along and Elizar all along, but, but Hannah Dien is, 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 is us. Hannah is, is the audience somehow. It's, it's like, this sounds cool, this, uh, but we learned that the, 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 there's something good about um, dying. And, and that was something, Ariella, you were mentioning about the, maybe we know um, there's afterlife or we believe very, very like deeply where there's afterlife. Even I think the person with most faith in, in complete, like, knowing that a Mashiach is gonna arrive and there's afterlife, even those people, it's the immediate is, is what we are doing today, which is what we're scared to lose. I don't think we need to, and, and that's what Rachel had forever. It's not about some sort of life or some sort of existence, is consciousness, is, is what we know today. Um, I think if, if someone would come and sign, like guarantee God revealed, there is something you're gonna live forever. Still, we want this life. We're motivated today to live here. Um, I don't think knowing or having faith take away that pressure of, of death at the end of the day. And, and we're scared about mentioning and it's sad and it's it's terrifying, but, and I'm like, I'm, this is something so far away. I mean, hopefully we, we see it as like distance, but um, but it's also imminent. 
you don't know it's it's that that's element it may be what motivates us to to build those relationships and to invest in people and to just wake up the next day and make this world something do something i i would have never said what motivates me and drives me to do things is potentially dying <laughs> before reading this book but um i i think there's something there and and it's it's real it's it's the it's the risk and i think i think what you're saying i think it just highlights um you know we think naturally like if 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 this is a blessing then more of it is more of a blessing and that's like the natural thing like science for sure should totally like work on eliminating death like that would be the holy grail that would be amazing and and i, I and that seems like the obvious take the obvious position on life right more life is good who who likes that no death is terrible right the goal is to get rid of death and it's just through this book it's like I, I speak for myself. There's a bit of a different perspective. It's just an interesting, you know, still not, you know, no one's welcoming it in whatever, but just it's a it's a perspective on on what creates value. I guess scarcity creates value, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. Also, be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> you might just get it. <laughs> that's right. Right. But part of the curse, I think, was the uniqueness how there were two in the whole world as as far as they knew that they were in this situation the fact that you were in, she was ne- part of her weight was that she was never able to be honest 100 percent honest with with anyone beside elazar so elazar was the only one she was herself her 2000 year old self with a mom and a dad that are real and and that's I think in her personal self, that was heavy for her. That was a problem. But um, so I, I, I do balance those two things. What, what if eternal life would be for everybody? Would that be different? Because I think if we're the only ones in that situation, that's pretty hard. But if do you think that if, if eternal life would be for everybody, maybe it would be better? And, and I don't know. So I thought it was cool, Ariella, that you said, uh, you know, until you were reading this book, you didn't feel like death is what motivates you, but now the existence of death really does. So for me, it's not so much that, it's just that if I won't evolve in this lifetime toward the direction that I think I need to be, like the ideal, I couldn't achieve in even one lifetime. But if I won't get there in this lifetime, I just have this sense that my soul will be doomed, like to just keep coming back. Because because I believe like to me, eternal life is not like we have earth life in our bodies and then we have that other life, like when you get to hang out with Hashem. And I think it would be like way cooler to hang out with Hashem than have to keep getting sent back onto the planet like over and over again, like you didn't learn your lesson, Ariella, this time, like maybe you'll get it right in this lifetime. <laughs> that, that's how I kind of feel. And I, you know, this is all just pure intuition, but that's how I feel. So that's what motivates me. It's just kind of like, oh, well, if I can't break out of these ruts, I'll just keep coming back to earth <laughs> to 
until I get it right. Well, by Ari, there is a reincarnation class in the books for you, I think. <laughs> yeah, we've actually done one and oh, I will really? probably do it again. You know what? I, if it's popular, we'll bring it back again. It's like an awesome topic. Yeah, definitely. We'll bring it back again. Guys. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to stop with the humor. Anyway, um, I just want to mention scheduling things. So um, Ariel and I spoke about going between 60 minutes and 75 minutes. So we're right now at 66 minutes. So within the next nine minutes or so, we're going to close out just in case you're wondering, you know, what's the schedule here? I should, I meant, to, I meant to mention at the beginning, but we're going to go within, it's another, another five minutes or so. So I think we're going to just bring everything together and maybe final words. Yeah, uh, I would love to hear, I mean, I think we, we started talking about faith and relationships and evolution of herself. Um, and then the, the main topic about death and life and the meaning of both and the both together. But if anyone has one, um, any last closing um, comments, I'm very happy to hear. And then uh, Rabbi Ari is gonna announce the next book. So that's also interesting. So yeah, any closing? comments about this book? I think it was a great choice for the first round. Awesome. Yes, I definitely agree. Good choice. Yeah, how about? Oh, thank you, Ariella. Awesome. Thank you for coming. And it was a lot of fun. And book clubs are really fun. So hopefully post pandemic, we can do it in person. And it's really nice, um, enjoyable time. So I appreciate everybody for coming. Yes, thank you, Ariella. This is an uh, amazing, amazing book and amazing discussion. So are, are we ready to, for the big reveal? Yeah. Big. yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Simultaneous to my announcement. By the way, if you thought this book was good, oh, oh, oh wait till you get the next one. Off the, off the charts, good. So listen, so simultaneous to my announcement of the title, I'm also going to drop the link into the chat. Now, if you can't find the chat, don't worry, I'll email it out to everybody anyway. But um, let me see if I can time this. Uh, where's my link? One second, it's gonna happen. By the way, I looked up, I was doing some fact checking on myself. I found my statement, the, sorry, my statement, the one that I quoted before about um, when God said, oh, it's good. And then not only good, but very good. So it's from Barashas Rabbah, which is the Medrash, um, chapter nine or chapter 10, it looks like chapter 10. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak said, um, Tov is Malachayim, is the angel of life. Tov Ma'od, very good, is Malachim the angel of death. Anyway, so just so you know where it is, Barashas Rabbah, the Medrash. Okay, here's the announcement for the next title. All right. And the title is... Bum, 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 bum. It's called Henna House. It's now in the chat box. Henna House. Okay, so, and Ariella, please tell us, give us a brief synopsis. You will not find this on Amazon, the synopsis. This is live <laughs> synopsis action happening. Um, <laughs> Unless you wanted to read it. I'm sorry. If you wanted to read it on Amazon, I apologize. Right. Um, just a little bit about why I we picked this book with Rabbi Ari. It's... Um, Again, it brings some historical fiction. Um, there, the context, and I think the conversation we can have, it's going to be very, very rich because um, it's about a Yemenite woman, and 
she lives in, in, in a culture that at least, I don't know how many of you are from this group is familiar with the Yemenite Jews, but to me it was very foreign and very new, very fascinating. Um, she, oh, there we are. You, you know, okay, great. So um, that's, yeah, all the research, all, all you guys, I'm going to bring it to the table, but the, the book ends with them arriving to Israel, but, but it's all her, her life. I mean, the main character is, is a, a woman and her uh, journey through this culture that is, is, it's rich and beautiful. And, 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 and the story is, is fun, it's fascinating, but um, it's gonna, I mean, it opened, to, it opened my eyes to, to a very rich and different culture. And, and also I think we can, we, we, we're gonna see some contrast we can even discuss traditions, but then also values and, and priorities, and also learn and see how much we get influenced by um, our environment. And, and it's it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It there's some there's some beauty on it actually. Um, so yeah, uh, Henna House is is really um, won some, and we, we're gonna share some links, but won some prizes. Um, really fun easy read so it's it's well written but it's it's no more than 300 300 and something pages so um we're gonna try to stay away from the 600 pages book don't worry um yeah so um i hope you join and you enjoy it hopefully you're gonna order it and read it thank you thank you and and i should mention also that as far as the next date let's get let's get this on the calendar i think it's on the website um so it'll be it's about a month so it'll be november um what's the date anybody have the date i should have the date one second we rely on you for these i know i know right and like i'm uh okay here we go the next date i have is wait it's november 15. that's the date that i have is that a sunday sunday yeah it's gonna be the same um, sunday 8 p.m yeah Sunday, November 15th. Yep. That's what I have. Is that actually a Sunday? Let's just double check to make sure. Checked. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. Sunday, November 15th. Awesome. Looks looks good. Um, if I'm missing anything as far as like conflicts, let me know. But otherwise, I think we're I think we're good. Once again, thank you, Ariella. Thank you all for being here today. Appreciate thank it. Really Couldn't have done without all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Lila Tov, be well. Thank you. Lila Tov. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.